Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. If you got a banjo or fiddle out there, you can play along to this interview. We are going to be talking bluegrass for the entire hour tonight as the Minnesota Bluegrass Old Time Music Association is proudly presenting its 44th annual Minnesota Bluegrass Winter Weekend, March 1st through the 3rd in Plymouth, Minnesota at the Crown Plaza West in Plymouth. It's a family-friendly festival, fun for all ages. It's going to feature great performances by International Bluegrass Music Award winner Rick Ferris and his band, Arkansas State old-time fiddle champion David Scrivener, and 30-plus Minnesota bluegrass folk and string bands, including the Roll Family Singers, Steam Machine, Brian Wicklin, Papa John and the Poppets, and my good friend, Mother Banjo. We're going to start, uh, start talking tonight to one of the prime movers and head honchos in the world of bluegrass. It's taken place March 1st through the 3rd. I haven't met him personally, but he's got to be a good guy if he's connected with this organization. We would like to welcome to the show Mr. Ross Willis. Ross, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you, Paul. How did, uh, how did, are you a musician? Well, it's interesting. You know, I've been uh, the executive director of Mabatma, the Minnesota Bluegrass and Old Time Music Association, for all of two months now. So uh, <laughs> I just started in the role just two months ago. But I've been part of this organization in one way or another for 20 years. So uh, my first Bluegrass Winter Weekend was 20 years ago, actually 21 years ago now, uh, playing with a band called the Blue Drifters. And I've, uh, I played bass with them and with the Platte Valley Boys and with a few other bands over the years. And so I have a really warm spot in my heart for, uh, for winter weekend. It's always the, uh, it's, it's the start of the bluegrass year for me. You know, it's funny, uh, I did a I, I did a show about this event. Geez, when I first started, uh, we here on the Wall and Power Radio Hour will be celebrating our tenth anniversary uh, next month in March. So this was one of the first shows I had, and so I was invited out uh, to spend an afternoon listening to some great music, and I bumped into Tony Andreessen, the lead guitar player in the Trashmen. Uh, you know, we all yeah. know the Trashman from Surfing Bird and others. And because Tony grew up playing uh, bluegrass, have you bumped into Tony uh, over the years? Well, I, I was his bass player for a number of years uh, with the Platte Valley Boys. Oh, really? How's Tony yeah, doing? Yeah. How's Tony doing? He's doing great. He's doing great. Um, uh, played with him just last summer, uh, the Platte Valley Boys. Uh, played at the uh, August Festival. So, uh, no, he's doing great. You give him Love my that. best. I had him on my uh, TV show, Wall of Power TV. And, uh, God, he's uh, he's older than me, but he looks uh, 10 years younger. <laughs> he keeps himself in pretty good shape, <laughs> as do a lot of those bluegrass musicians. I've known a few over the years that like to have a cocktail or a beer. But uh, overall, you know, the, the bluegrass ethos seems to be a little bit... Uh, uh, keep your 
powder and uh, keep your powder dry as well as uh, whatever you're drinking. But, uh, I, you know, when I came to Minneapolis in 1978, I had a, an amazing uh, acoustic music scene. You know, I came down because I saw Leo Kotke in 1972, and that's what I wanted to do, mm. become a professional musician and uh, play the Guthrie Theater, which I had the honor of playing eight times. And uh, so I got to know, went to the West Bank, and I got to hear Dave Hull and Sean Blackburn and Peter Ostrushko and Mary Duchesne and Bill Hinckley and yeah. Judy Larson and Tim Hennessy. And uh, you had them back then. The extent was going strong. Some of the best local folk acts and a lot of the you know, great traveling national bluegrass and folk acts, the New Riverside Cafe and music yeah. at the 400 Bar and Palmers. You know all those scenes, Ross. I mean, it was such... Sure. Uh, you know, that was 40-plus years ago. And so it's great to see that is still as vibrant as it used to be with a lot of new blood. Well, that's absolutely true. There's, there's an interesting thing that happens with, with bluegrass and, and acoustic music. It seems like every generation discovers the music for themselves in new ways. You know, um, back in the seventies, like you said, uh, it was deliverance and uh, the nitty gritty dirt band. Will the circle be unbroken? And then, you know, um, around uh, 2000, it was the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, Where Art Thou soundtrack. That turned everybody on to the music again. And now it's Billy Strings and, and all these guys that are coming up, these young guys that are just blowing the roof off the place. Oh, it's that's just Billy, exciting to see all of the stuff come back around again. That Billy Strings, man, is amazing. I just thought... Uh, a clip of, I think it was from the CBS Morning Show, he, he and Chris Thiel, or is it Thiel or Thiel? Thiel. Chris yeah, Thiel. Yeah, Chris Thiel. And it was like, those guys are just, somebody should go out and break both their hands because the rest of us will never catch up unless they're handicapped. And I mean that as a joke. Uh, but it's so fun to see. <laughs> and now, you know, I, I live in Duluth now, but when I was living in Northeast Minneapolis, we, uh, I used to have a uh, Tuesday night uh, show called The Artist Corner. I had a couple hundred bucks to throw around to uh, various uh, local musicians. And, of course, we buy beers and burgers at Mazelax. And there used to be a guy that would mm. drive all the way down from Duluth a couple of times a month. And I'd always keep an extra 20, sometimes take it out of my own pocket to give it to him. And a man who's kind of at the forefront in a way, uh, leading the charge of the new acoustic, old-time uh, acoustic blues music, and that's uh, Mr. Charlie Parr. Charlie Parr, of course. I just saw him last week in Superior with uh, Al Sparhawk from Lowell. They did a residency of Tuesdays in January at the Cedar Lounge. It was phenomenal. And then another young woman you might have bumped into over the years, who uh, I'm always proud to say gave her, her one of her first shots at that same show, was Miss Molly Mayer. Oh, sure. Molly is such yeah, a... She's the best. Such a treasure. So, uh, Ross Willis, how did uh, what was your musical experience growing up, and how did you go from I'm going to guess listening to Led Zeppelin to playing Bill Monroe? No, I'm just kidding. 
you're, you're not far off, man. You're yeah. not far off. So, um, you know, I, as a kid, I moved around a lot. And, um, you know, in 1980, I was a sophomore in high school and uh, moved to Milwaukee and um, uh, had never picked up a guitar, but I had, had studied music, uh, piano and French horn and voice and all this kind of stuff. But I never picked up a guitar, and I met this guy at my new school, and he played the banjo, and uh, he just blew me away. And so the the summer after my sophomore year, just sat in his basement. He said, "You're going to play guitar, and we're going to play in a band." And um, and so he he taught me to play guitar, and away we went. We we toured around Wisconsin uh, in a bluegrass trio for the next three years. Um, and it was amazing. It was just amazing. We met all kinds of people and, um, uh, you know, you fall in love with the music. You re- just, it, it speaks to people in, in, in very special ways. I, I, I just got to say. And so, you know, I, I put my guitar down, uh, to go to college and, and, uh, I've been running arts organizations for the last uh, 30 years in the Twin Cities. And so the, when the opportunity came, came up to, uh, step back in and, and do work with, uh, with the Minnesota Bluegrass Association, my goodness, I, I just jumped at it, you know? Well, that's fantastic. You know, we're going to take a couple minutes here and listen to your headliner, a fella I've uh, never heard, uh, a fella by the name of Rick Ferris. He's coming up with his band. He does a great take on uh, the Huey Lewis song, Power of Love. We're going to listen to that for a little bit and then come back with Ross Willis. And uh, then we've got, uh, later in the show, a couple of the folks from the Rowe family singer. So let's listen to Rick Ferris Band doing Power of Love. This is your host, Paul Metzen. We just listened to the Huey Lewis classic, Power of Love, by the headliner, the Rick Ferris Band, who's coming up at the 44th annual Minnesota Bluegrass Weekend at Crown Plaza in Plymouth, March 1st through the 3rd. Say, Ross, uh, my guest, Ross Willis, head honcho for M-B-O-T-M-A, uh, 
I haven't heard of Rick Ferris. Tell me a little bit about him. Well, he's he's a, a young guy. He played with the uh, band Special Consensus out of uh, Chicago for a number of years. And that band um, has been kind of a... Uh, uh, a, a growing, you know, a, a hothouse for, for young players like Rick. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just really taken off. He's, he's such a hot picker that the guitar that you heard in that, um, uh, song was him playing the guitar and boy, wow. and he's a great songwriter too. He's, he's just really terrific. Well, I'm, I'm one thing I'm looking forward to. I've been listening to bluegrass forever. And of course, huge fans of, uh, all those uh, guys that turned me on to Rich Music, Doc Watson, Norman Blake, David Bromberg, uh, Taj Mahal, yeah. Ry Cooter, and the rest. Um, but the, one, one thing that I really find, uh, that I really enjoy, when I came of age, I put up my first record in 84 and was playing solo, and before that, I, several years with my band, Cats Under the Stars. We used to play when we played acoustic. We played a lot of bluegrass and acoustic blues and John Prine and stuff like that. Uh, then I, when I started playing with my band in 84, after my record, Paper Tigers, came out, I got uh, started, took off for the Cats, left off for the rock and roll band. And, you know, in the 80s, mid-80s in Minneapolis, you know, that was like ground zero of music in America. I mean, you had Prince, yeah. Replacements, Husker Du, everybody knew Bonnie Raitt was from here, Willie Murphy and the Bees. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just an yeah. incredibly exciting scene, and especially in the, the, the punk rock and the new rockers at the time. And now what I see, and I live in Duluth, and I just saw a great band called... Um, the Salty Dogs the other night. And, of course, like I said, I saw mm. Al Sparhawk from Lowe and Charlie Parr in Superior a couple times last month. Is It seems to me, when you've got bands like Billy Strings, once again, just a phenomenal player and phenomenal band leader and songwriter, is it seems to me the whole kind of bluegrass-oriented acoustic scene, it's really, in a way, the new punk rock. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, and and you're going to be talking with uh, Quillen and Kim Rowe, the Rowe family singers. They they see themselves firmly in that punk rock tradition, even though they're playing acoustic music and and um, uh, they they call themselves radical old time music, and they're well, right on. I love that. I love that. No, it's uh, and you go to see the crowd like the crowd I saw at uh, Ben Paddle Brewery. The other night, it was really, God, there was early 20s, but it was kind of 25 to 60. There was a few folks older than that, but it just seems this whole new crowd, let's say really 18 to 35, man, they are all over this acoustic music, and God bless each and every one of them. You sure. don't see that. Well, there. and you've got uh, trampled by... I'm sorry, you've got trampled by turtles up there in in uh, Duluth as well, and and uh, they're they something else, you know. Well, trampled by all of these guys. Yeah, go ahead. All of these guys ha have such great um, uh, vision of what the music can be and stretching it in so many new ways. It's it's so exciting. 
Well, you know, one thing when I was living in Northeast Minneapolis for 20 years and uh, really enjoyed it, when I was working with Jeff Maritko, who ran Mazlax Bar, like I said, we brought Char Charlie Parr would come down and play my Tuesday nights, Molly Mare, you know, and then I had Dave Ray and Percy Struther, and we had all, in fact, we had, uh, oh, my mind is wandering, um, but anyway, so Jeff and I, we brought down Trampled by Turtles for, I think, was their first Minneapolis date uh, at uh, Springfest that Jeff used to put on. So I've seen their rise for the last 25 years and just love, love the band. Um, sure. But that one night we had a great show there. Are, are, are you familiar with Uncle Willie and the Brandy Snifters? I am not. You should be. They were one of the uh, long-time, old-time bluegrass bands. They featured a guy by the name of John Pancake. May he rest in peace. He recently passed away. John came, yeah. up, came of age in the uh, <clears throat> Dinkytown scene and started the Little Sandy Review uh, with Paul Nelson, who was from War Road, Minnesota, I believe. And so they played. Uh, I opened the show. Uh, Spider John Kerner and uh, Tony Glover uh, were the second act, but it was beautiful because the legendary John Cohn, who was friends with uh, Liz and Lyle Lofgren, who were really uh, prime movers in the folk music scene in the mid-60s uh, in Minneapolis. So John Cohn came, he had a He's a great photographer. He had a photography exhibit at my friend Howard uh, Christofferson's Icebox Gallery, and he came and played uh, for the night. So it was really uh, a moment in time, probably the last time those guys got to play together. Uh, mm. But there you go, an example, uh, Uncle Willie and the Brandy Sniffers, of a band that goes yeah. back way before you and I, Ross. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to mention that, that one of the things that happens at Winter Weekend that I'm most excited about, frankly, is the fact that we've got this thing called the Grass Seeds Academy, and it's taught every year by uh, by the High 48, the Great Bluegrass Band, but it's a way for young players to get into bluegrass, and so we're, we're, we're pushing the music forward by bringing up all these kids. We've got kids as young as eight. Um, learning to play bluegrass and old time music uh, from some of the, some of the best uh, players in town. That's absolutely fantastic, Ross. Uh, we just got a little bit uh, uh, more time with you before we get over the Royal Family Singers. Give us one now, just in a thumbnail sketch of who will be performing at the forty fourth annual uh, bluegrass. Winter weekend, March first through the third, Crown Plaza in Plymouth. So, give us drop some names here, brother. Okay, well, uh, Brian Wickland and Mike Kramer, they're mm -hmm. awesome. They, you know, they had a band Stony Lonesome, or Brian did anyway. Stony Lonesome back oh, in the eighties, fantastic. Well. Yeah, uh, Row Family Singers, Prairie Potluck, a new band called the Rosie Days Band. It's an all female band, and they're amazing. They just put out a record. Uh, I think their record dropped yesterday. Um, some old stalwarts, uh, Timber Junction, 
Prairie Potluck, Slugrass, 30 bands, you know, they're all playing. And that's the great thing. There's music in every nook and cranny in this hotel. Bring your instrument, play along. It's, it's the most fun. It's the most fun thing you can do. How can people order tickets, Ross? Uh, two ways. At our website, minnesotabluegrass.org, all spelled out. And you can go to the Homestead Pick and Parlor in Richfield on the 66th and Penn. And they've got tickets, um, physical tickets there if you, uh, if you don't want to get them online. And stop by and see Marv at the Homestead Pick and Parlor. It's an amazing old shop. you got to see it. Marv is another stalwart in the uh, acoustic music scene in Minneapolis. And bring a few bucks. Uh, I, I bought a guitar or two out there, but they've also got some great uh, instructional music books, cassettes. They still have cassettes, CDs, and, and records, and enjoy. And I think if you go on a Saturday afternoon, you can catch a little bit of their, they usually have a jam session there, don't they? That's right. Yeah, they still do. All right. Well, Ross, uh, best of luck. Nice to meet you. I look forward to meeting you in person. And uh, have just a beautiful weekend out there at the Bluegrass Winter Festival. Thank you so much, Paul. Great to talk to you. All right. We're going to listen to a little bit of Rick Ferris doing his song, Deep River. Be back with the Roe Family Singers on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzer. I have two friends on. 
that uh, I knew one of the, the I, I knew the guy from the Homestead Picking Parlor where he used to work, still might, uh, Quillen and his wife uh, Kim, Quillen and Kim Rowe from the Rowe Family Singers. They've been holding forth at the 331 Club in Northeast Minneapolis for 20 years. They are going to be one of the headliners at the upcoming Midwest uh Bluegrass Winter Jamboree and Weekend, March 1st to the 3rd at the Crown Plaza in Plymouth. And we're going to listen to a little of their music. But it will be great to say hi to Colin and Kim. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing okay. How are you doing? Really good. And I, the one thing I miss about living in Northeast Minneapolis was going and seeing your Monday nights at the 331. Thank you. It's Thank you. it's incredible that they still have us there. Twenty years is a long time to do anything, especially a house gig. My, I think my, yeah, my, I did, I did almost ten years right up the street from you, not too far away at Shaw's Bar, with Willie Walker and uh, Sonny Earl. But twenty years—that's a long time. And like I've always said, never give up a house gig. Yeah, I think we'll just keep going until they fire us. <laughs> Say when now? Uh, when did you guys start playing together? Twenty years ago. <laughs> oh, so this is literally the gig started right around the genesis of the band. Yeah, we our very first show was uh, at Lee's Liquor Lounge, and it uh, started as a well. Maybe a dare? I don't know. I kept I kept telling Quillen, hey, let's let's start a band and he kept saying no, it's a bad idea and he finally called my bluff. Someone called and said, Do you wanna be a part of the the Johnny Cash June Carter tribute? And he said yes and that was our first gig. Now when did were you guys a couple? Are you married? How because it's hard enough to keep a band together with your best friends. But how does it work that you guys also cohabitate? Are you married? Still a couple? Yes. yes. Yep. And we've been married 20 years also. So basically we got married and I couldn't keep saying no to starting the band together. It, it was bad for the marriage. <laughs> you had no choice. Well, it, yeah, makes, it, was, it makes rehearsals easier anyway, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell the people out there in, in uh, AM 950 Wall and Power Radio Land, when I was talking to Ross Willis, uh, he told me that you refer to the Roe Family Singers as radical old-time music. Yes. So talk- oh, oh, and you want to yeah, tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ex- so used to being on the witness stand in, in court. I'm I Just one-word answers keep you safe. <laughs> What? Uh, so tell us about that, and tell us how you guys got interested in old-time music. I grew up with old-time music. My my family uh, is is from the Twin Cities, and I grew up in the Twin Cities, but my family uh, has roots in both Appalachia and uh, the Ozark Mountains. And so the music I grew up with in the house was a lot of old-time string band music, a lot of fiddle music, a lot of banjo music. Not bluegrass, not even country, but old-time. And then, um, you know, like like all kids do, in my teens, I had to define who I was separate from my parents. So I, I got into uh, into heavy metal and punk 
music. Oh, I was and that's say, the, I was going to say that's the obvious thing and get, get a mohawk and start playing on yep. 11. <laughs> Not surprising, yeah. Quillen. Well, it's, it's, it is kind of, it's amazing how many, and, and I'm not joking, how many banjo players in the old time community have a similar story where they were all, they were in heavy metal and, and hardcore and punk bands. I'm always, I'm less and less shocked by it the, the longer I go on. It seems to be kind of the norm. But you, I found this band that you've probably heard of called the Pogues. Oh, yeah. And, and the Pogues were just, you know, I was 14 when I heard, I heard their, their record, um, If I Should Fall From Grace With God. And it was this perfect blend of everything I was into. You know, it was traditional Irish music, but it was, it was very punk. And that's been, that's been kind of the driving force of what I've done since then, is, you know, wanting to find a way to make American traditional music reflect that, that same that same punk and hardcore uh, affinity. Yeah, well, uh, Bob Dylan in his uh, latest book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, and one of the uh, uh, one of the chapters on the Osborne Brothers, he said this. You know, he goes, "Bluegrass, the original bluegrass, it was kind of really the original heavy metal in terms of the drive." Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I've, I have always thought that the that old time music, in particular, and uh, and and early early punk, both American and British punk, had a lot in common uh, politically too. There was, you know, it was a lot of it was a lot of stuff about uh, you know class about class and about worker exploitation and you know getting stuck in a dead end job being exploited by the, by the man and. I had not heard that what you just said from Bob Dylan, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was so much of what Bill Monroe was creating was he was trying to recreate the sound of a drum kit without drums. And so, yeah. you know, they have the, the chop and the drive that, yeah, that's great. I love that. I, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing Bill Monroe at Orchestra Hall uh, where I also saw when I first moved to town in '78, Andre Segovia, Chet Atkins, Doc Watts. Oh my God! Uh, and it was just literally twelve blocks away from from my house, uh, you know. And then apart from, used to hang out at the West Bank all the time, and uh, got to be good friends. I'm sure uh, you got to know when you were first getting started, Quillen and Kim. Uh, two of my favorite people in the world, and may he rest in peace, Bill Hinckley and Judy Larson. Yeah. You know, sadly, we only ever got to meet Bill once, and oh. we met we met Judy a couple of times after Bill had passed away, and when I was working at the Homestead Chicken Parlor, as you as you mentioned, you know, he was he was still a saint. You know, there was everyone who came in there talked about how great he was and how much <laughs> I just felt so much like we had we had missed out on so much by not getting to know him. Yeah. He was, uh, when he passed away, I wrote it an obit for the uh, uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, and uh, uh, one of his buddies said it perfectly. He said, Bill Hinckley was speaking of us in the music of me as our Socrates. Mm. <laughs> That's high he, praise. He was amazing. He was... Uh, could play every 
literally any style of music was a fiddle player, mandolin player, guitar player, was like a human jukebox, knew thousands of songs. He also spent time in the, uh, uh, in the, in the Air Force and uh, could speak five languages, including Mandarin Chinese. Oh, my gosh. Wow, I, I had, didn't know that. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. And what, what was really interesting, Quillen and Kim Rowe, is that, uh, which was not surprising, when I was doing a little research, and I got, Bill was a very good friend of mine. Judy still is a good friend of mine. In fact, I was so honored when I'd go and see him. They used to hold forth at the 400 Bar, among other places, but they had a nice house gig there on, I believe, Sunday nights. They had learned an old Finnish waltz that they would play called the Metza Waltz. And I was so honored when I'd walk in, they'd just break into it. I mean, there was no higher honor for me because I had such... Your, yeah, your I, theme song. Yeah, pretty much. I should really have learned it. But uh, anyway, when I was doing some research, it turns out, and you'll find this perfectly synchronistic, uh, Bill Hinckley and John Hartford went to the same grade school in St. Louis. What? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. I was, and, I was just listening to uh, our, our uh, oh, who was it? Our, some, somebody, our bass player, our, our retired bass player, Eric Paulson, was just sharing uh, some live John Hartford from 98 with me yesterday, and we were listening to a, a really, uh, really good version of John Hartford's uh, Squirrel Hunters. Love yeah. So, it, it, I mean, you talk about synchronicity. That is, it, you, and then here you are today bringing them up. That is, wow. Well, my favorite Bob Dylan line from It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, is take what you have gathered from coincidence. Mm. The, uh, you know, I, I had the pleasure of opening up for John Hartford just a year or two before he passed up at a place called Pirate's Cove on the Mississippi River up in St. Cloud. And he played a most wonderful old Civil War song. If you're not familiar with it, you should be, because you guys would nail it, called Lorena. Have you ever heard it? I've heard of it. You know what we're going to do? I don't know that I could... You know what we're going to do? Um, because we both love Hartford... And, and we'll listen to a little bit of this song and then come back. I've got a little story about it. And then we will uh, stay with Quillen and Kim Rowe and listen to a little bit of the Rowe family singers on the Wall and Power Radio R. But right now, here's John Hartford doing Lorena. Sun can never dip so low. 
be down in affection's cloudless sky. Just listen to a great version of an old Civil War ballad called Lorena by the great John Hartford. When John played that song, as you could tell, it's such a it's such a beautiful melody and words. He told the story that one night before a battle in the Civil War between the North and South, uh, which of course you know how can imagine how bloody those were, somebody started to sing it and. By the end of the song, both sides, the North and South, were singing the song with each other over the barricades before they went into battle. Wow. The next day. Wow. Yeah. So they went and chopped each other to pieces. <laughs> yeah. But just... Uh, that's, like that, that's like that beautiful song you hear about, the, about Christmas uh, in the trenches in the First World War, where the, exactly. the Germans... The, yeah. Same kind of thing. Now, Kim, what is, what's your musical background? Um, <laughs> karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I love an honest person. I, I just, uh, I sing a lot of karaoke and, uh, I just wanted to continue. And so, so I did. <laughs> what was your go-to karaoke song? Oh boy, uh, a lot of Dixie Chicks. There you and, go. And uh, Dolly, a lot of Dixie Chicks and Dolly. And Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, God bless you. So when did uh, was Quillen the one that that pulled you into um, the whole old time bluegrass music scene? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I grew, I did grow up with a lot of the old time. My my grandma would go around the house. And I stayed a lot uh, of, of my summers with her, with both my grandparents. And she would go around the house singing some of the old stuff. And uh, so, but I, yeah, it was it was Quillen that that kind of kind of made me go towards there, which which it's a lot of fun. I love it. So where does the uh, besides uh, Monday nights tell the people out there? Give them the address of the three thirty one. I know it's on Thirteenth and University, right on the corner. Uh, what time is your gig at the 331, the Roe Family Singers? 8 p.m. to 9.30. Can't beat that. you got to love a, an hour and a half gig as well. Yeah. And uh, really uh, reasonably priced and well-poured cocktails. I might <laughs> I know a little bit about that. Uh, so where else do you guys, uh, are, do you do the, this kind of stuff, festival stuff? Uh, around the Midwest, Minnesota, what's kind of your geographics? 
You know, pre-pandemic, we went everywhere, all over the country. Since the pandemic, it's been mostly, it's been upper Midwest and, and near, near South, like uh, Missouri and Arkansas. Um, we'd like to get back out there. It's, um, we miss it. I miss it. I miss being on the road. I miss playing, I miss playing new places. But we do, you know, we have another house gig we do. We do the fourth. Sunday of every month at Hell's Kitchen in downtown Minneapolis, which is always fun. We do that for brunch. And then, you know, we'll be at the uh, the Winter Bluegrass Weekend this year, uh, March 2nd. Nice festival that we're talking about here. And then wherever people will have us, I guess. Do you, have you ever, you know, I live in Duluth now for the last couple of years where I'm uh, speaking to you from. Do you ever get up to Duluth and play? Absolutely. We'll be up in, I think it's next month, I think March, uh, middle of March, we'll be at Wusso's Concert Cafe. We've been playing there about every six months. It's right around the corner from me. Jason has gotten to be a buddy of mine. Oh, he's such a, he's such he's a, such good, a guy. good guy. <laughs> yeah, I've known he... Jason. I've known him since he opened that place in 2000. Back when it was Beaners. Yes, Exactly. Yeah, he's got a good wood wood blind. So wood blind or wood blind? He's got a good band too. I think it's yeah, wood blind. Cool. Now, um, so Quillen, are you still uh, are you still clerking out at uh, uh, the Homestead Pick and Parlor? Uh, I wish I that I was. I am not anymore. That was okay. that was probably the best job that a musician could have. You know, my whole my whole job was sitting in a room full of instruments and music, talking to other music lovers about music and instruments. It was it was great. Well, and Marvin, you know, has has done such a great job being kind of a real landing zone for not only professional musicians like the Dakota Dave Hulls and the Peter Ostrushkos and the Tim Sparks and Tom Liebermans of the world, but also that Saturday afternoon jam session for basically anybody that wants to come and bring an instrument and play along is a really cool community event. And so many of so many of our younger pickers now, you know, that's where they cut their teeth. You know, they, they all have similar stories of being there for the jams and, you know, meeting so-and-so and that they taught me this and, it's it's I agree with you. It's it's wonderful. It's true so, community. Uh, Quillen and Kim Rowe, tell me a little bit about who are some of the other up and comers in the Twin Cities. You know, there's a lot of great bands um, right now. We've got old heads like us and Pertnier Sandstone, who have you know been around for a long time. But then you've got young bands like uh, Brotherhood of Birds, uh, Barbaro. Um, oh my gosh! What's the one I keep blanking on? Uh, Pine, uh, Pine and Fire, oh, yeah. which is a which is a duo that we love. One of my favorites. And then in the in related genres, you've got Molly Brandt, who is doing more of a country thing, and Claire Doyle. Just there's just it's uh, and our own David Robinson, our guitar player David Robinson. He plays in so many bands. He's in the High Forty Eights, and he's in uh, Set in Stone, and he's he plays with a bunch. Basically, if David's in it, they're probably going to do well because he's quite the he is quite the guitar slayer. Well, we were just talking about with Ross Willis how stupidly good Billy Strings is. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean he, the only uh, 
the only guy that I, I was that impressed with uh, on a, you know, and he's actually played his uh, Martin D28 is, of course, the great Clarence White, who passed away from a tragic yeah. accident. But in terms of, well, of course, Tony Rice, there's, he's the god. Uh, he's the, he's the be-all, end-all. But, uh, uh, and we were talking to Ross, too, just when I go out, like, I've seen Trampled by Turtles for the last 25 years, their rise. Charlie Parr, who I just saw a couple weeks ago, seeing his incredible career. And I tell people, because I came of age in South Minneapolis in the mid-80s when it was replacements, who's going to do, and punk rock. And it's really now yeah. all this acoustic stuff, Royal Family Singers, Trampled by Turtles, Charlie Park. This is kind of the new, it's the same kind of energy that punk rock, rock had back in the 80s, but it's banjos, fiddles, and guitars. Yeah, I agree. I And I think those are great. Uh, you put us in wonderful company. Uh, we probably wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Charlie. We um, we had been playing for a couple of years, and wrote, the Rowe family just wasn't doing what what I wanted it to do. Just the two of us. And yeah, just, we were playing as a duo, and and uh, I had met Charlie. Um, in, I was in an older band called Accident Clearinghouse, and Charlie had played early some of his early gigs opening for Accident Clearinghouse, and then he returned the favor, and he gave Tim and I just scads of opening opening slots for him you know all over the state and it was so good for us and charlie has been you know such an a personal influence but um, as you said i mean he's just like he's defined the scene he he yeah. uh, he's he's just this force of nature and he's so good and one of the nicest guys you you ever yeah. met yeah so nice yep absolutely so, we, we're getting slowly run out of time. What is the uh, website for Royal Family Singers and how we, can we buy some of your music? Uh, the easiest way is just rowfamilysingers.com, and we're R-O-E. Beautiful. We, I, number one, thank you for your time. I'm going to try to come and see you. Wusos is literally a mile from my house, so I... Uh, and I got to go get a cup of coffee and say hi to Jason anyway. But uh, thanks so much, Kim and Quillen Rowe. And uh, once again, they're going to be playing at the Midwest uh, Winter Bluegrass Jamboree, March 1st and 3rd at the Crown Plaza in Plymouth. We're going to go out by one of their songs that I absolutely like, like called Loretta Lynn Blues. I got to ask you real quick, who wrote that? Uh, Kim and I wrote that one. God bless you, too. It's a beautiful song, and you're beautiful people. Okay. Say hi to everybody in Northeast. Uh, tell everybody there, including the bartenders of 331, that I miss them. <laughs> okay, Thank you, here. Paul. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, you're welcome. All right, here we go. The Roll Family Singers doing Loretta Lynn Blues. home till six o'clock after stopping at some dark. And of course he wants his dinner hot and a smile upon my lips. Well, it's hard with a baby on my apron strings, another on my hip. Cause the first one wakes at three o'clock and don't fall asleep till five. 
Another wakes just after that And cries and cries and cries And don't forget the oldest boy Where he's growing like a weed And the youngest one pulling at my blouse Looking for the feed Not honey, not baby child Red of Lynn I'll spell it down, it's W-O-M-A-N It's not much to expect Same respect that you give a man Not honey, not baby, I'm a woman A man he rules the roost like a rooster with his comb. Well, he certainly will take the credit without thinking twice. But who is left to clean and scrub, raise the children right? Who does the dishes, sweeps the rugs, and hangs the clothes to dry? Who cooks the meal and rocks the baby when she starts to cry? Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metzler, engineered by Patrick Molia. We would like to thank our guests, Ross Willis and Quillen and Kim Rowe from the Rowe Family Singers. You can follow me at paulmetzer.com. I have my next show in the Twin Cities. It's March 29th at the 318 Cafe with the great Sonny Earl. So follow that. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.